I'm John. And I'm Olivia. I'm Noah. And this week, we've watched Unexpected. And we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek. I mean, this episode is just... It's such a mess. It's such a mess. But before we get into it, we have Noah on the show. We have Rin. We have Rin. Rin is here. (laughs) Happy to be here. Happy to talk about uh, an episode that I've always been curious why I remember this episode because I'm pretty sure the last time I saw it, I was 13 years old and I was watching it and it was so fucking horny i was like oh that's why i remembered it no duh that's why it like burrowed into my 13 year old consciousness for some reason so uh i'm very excited to get to it's a, it's a hell of a thing i mean hopefully that wasn't the first episode of star trek you watched or your first encounter with it <laughs> no it wasn't you know uh i have been around star trek my whole life you know my mom has been watching it i grew up uh, like with just Voyager was like sort of in its heyday. So I kind of grew up watching that. And then Enterprise was really the first season that I watched like concurrently. And my mom would sort of have a bunch of friends over and like throw these Star Trek parties and we'd all watch Enterprise and then she'd do a quiz and then she'd give out like party favors or Star Trek uh, prizes for whoever got the most answers on yeah and I, I'm I, love it. I just wish I wish she kept the quiz from this episode I so so Gosh. wish <laughs> that's a cursed quiz the one that you watched first like all the way through yeah I mean oh. you know it's it's sort of like I haven't really done a full revisit I, I've revisited a lot of episodes, but I, I haven't really watched all the way through. But this was the first one where I was watching it week to week. It wasn't syndicated yet. It was the one that I really grew up on. And so I really have like a a, a soft spot in my heart for Enterprise. And I, I think a lot about Enterprise. Like I think about <laughs> Enterprise in terms of Star Trek constantly, probably more than is uh, than is healthy. Just fondly as you look out the window. Thinking about the theme. I really can't talk. I mean, I have no slippers in my room and it's very cold, so I'm currently wearing the boots I bought for my TOS cosplay because they're the only thing. Of course. They're comfortable. So it's not like we all don't think too much about Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not convinced you don't have any slippers on. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just put them on, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you did was that when you the first time you were like this show is too much i need to leave god I, you know that's such a good question i feel like i've like came and gone many many times of just been like i need a break from this this is insane or even you know like being being around the so- show uh, from the inside even before i was cast like being there with mary I sort of had to take a break because I really, really wanted to like, you know, go on the internet and see what people are going to think and what they think is going to happen. And I'd be like reading all the posts of like, what's going to happen next? And I'd be like, no, that's wrong. Or like almost not quite. And I was just like, wait, I just know too much. So I had to kind of like take a break (laughs) then. I do remember, however, like once Enterprise got canceled in season four, my mom kind of turned to me and she was like very downcast. And she was like, well... Because it ended on such a such a uh, such a horrific note, if you will. Uh, <laughs> she turned to me and she was like, "I think this is the end of Star Trek. You know, this is where it ends." And I remember, I was like, "Mom, there's way too much money to be made. It will be back." Uh, but I think that was like the first time as a family we had to quit Star Trek for a little bit because there wasn't anything else on. You were kind of too depressed that it sort of petered out in such a sad way to like go back and watch other things. And then, and then when the, the new Chris Pine movies came along, it was like, Oh, maybe there's some hope. And then those kind of petered out again. And then everything has sort of picked up again in a good way that has allowed me to kind of revisit all. It's allowed me to come back to enterprise with a, with a renewed sense of hope and vigor, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's sort of, I think putting in the context of Enterprise was an end of a long run of Star Trek that had started since like yes. the mid-80s. Yeah, and you sort of get 80, why it feels 87. quite tired at some point. 
Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I think about Enterprise all the time. I think a lot about in relationship Enterprise to New Star Trek to Discovery, and you know, I, I understand people who don't like the new shows or have complaints about the new shows. I don't really understand. I'm not really interested in people who are like assholes about that. But I think you know, a big part of Star Trek is you know how you feel about it, and that's great. But I just think like. If, you know, CBS launched this property in the sort of post-Marvel world and they put out an episode like The Unexpected, their shareholders would literally just go and blow up the building of CBS. The entire company would fold. Everything would fall apart. It's like Enterprise could never exist in 2020, which is sort of why I love it. And why, like, I also love new Star Trek because it has to be something different because there's no way that they could do, you know, an, a goofy alien, unconsensual pregnancy episode in exactly. 2020. There's so much that Star Trek can no longer get away with. Irritatingly, modern TV just isn't allowed to be as dumb. <laughs> like, we, got, we got Patrick Stewart doing the worst French accent on the planet in Picard, which was honestly That's a- the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's like, just like, I think Enterprise is the most campy of all the series. It's so campy, even more so than Deep Space Nine, which has very kind of campy elements. I think Enterprise, its whole, its whole genre is camp. And I think like that is something that's so difficult to bring to modern television in general because the stakes are really high and the money's really high so when you do get something like that french accent it feels like so much fun and and i'm glad they kind of are able to just insert it wherever they can and then i I, what i also love about that episode is how badly it fails which is kind of amazing as well i mean it's also say that enterprise has the most heathenry in it oh Oh, my god It's like it's somehow so more horny than the original series. It's so horny. It's so horny. It's so out of control. Paul is just like her. She's just falling on top of everyone constantly. There must be at least 10 times she's like sort of fa- accidentally falling on top of somebody like it's a 1970s sex comedy. It's fucking insane. It's Gene's vision. That's what it is. Gene, it's Gene's vision. Like, uh, Gene Roddenberry. I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. Actually. This is the man who spent half an hour describing Ferengi's sex to a producer <laughs> on TNG before the producer went. Gene, we're here to talk about the episode, not Ferengi sex. <laughs> I think you're probably more right than wrong, which is kind of amazing. It's terrifying. Sometimes I think about what Rod Roderby must think of all this, about how much of his dad was just like a bit too, too obsessed with sex. sex. Yeah. 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 I, I think that if you dig too, I think it, the more you dig into that, the more the the worse it will get. It's like you don't want to look too deep into that dark, dark heart of whatever is going on in there. I guess we'll have to segue into the deep, dark heart of um, whatever this fresh hell was. <laughs> Before we do that, because just we, need, we have to, we like you have this it. great Trek tre- journey. You know, you had your family watching Trek. My family weren't nerdy enough to watch Trek, so I never had this introduction. <laughs> I'm very upset about what I've missed out on. But, um, you know, how was that feeling of, you know, being in Discovery? Or even before that, learning that Mary was going to be in, Disco- in Discovery? It was so crazy. It was so wild and so much fun. I mean, basically, you know, it just kind of consisted of, like, getting a new piece of information and then telling my mom and then uh, video recording or phone recording her weeping for like 20 minutes every time anything new happened. So that was just so much fun to constantly get to surprise her with new information and then give her kind of a, a positive nervous breakdown if such a thing exists. Um, it's just been amazing. You know, I feel like especially fans who have gone to a lot of conventions and who spend a lot of time like listening to the actors of the older shows you know tell the same stories at conventions over and over and over and still love them there is such a an experience of like wanting to be on the set and wanting to be a part of it and like imagining yourself on the show in this weird way and it was so cool to get to be able to do that and to not be disappointed by it you know 
to not have it be a big letdown, to actually have it totally live up to all these insanely high expectations, like to get to walk the sets and feel like you're on a spaceship, you know? It doesn't feel like you're on a, on a TV set. It feels like you're on a spaceship. They're so, so big. I can legitimately get lost walking the hallways of Discovery and like turn around and wind up in in sick bay and I'm like I honestly have no idea where to go from here. I'm I'm lost in this spaceship. And awesome. and it is in the amount of effort and detail and thought that goes into everything really feels like people care. You know, they really want to make it count and make it good and they're thinking about they're thinking about people who love the show from before and all the little details, you know, all in the hallways, you know, there'll be like markings of like what connects which pipe to what, and nobody's ever going to see that. Or maybe one person might take a screenshot and be like, Oh, they updated the ship number from episode this to episode that, but they just put in that much work and it just feels so gratifying to get to see it from the other side and know that that sort of experience of just wanting to like, be inside the world is as good as you could imagine, which is, I don't think would be true for, for many, many things. Is the Discovery crew as much as a bunch of massive goofballs as all the other Star Trek casts? Well, look, I don't, I can't speak for all the other Star Trek casts. You know, I, I haven't been inside their particular dynamics, although I've seen it from the outside. They are, it's a really, really good group of people. It's a really, really goofy group of people. It's a really sweet group of people that really cares about each other, that really takes care of each other, you know, and everybody gets along really, really well. There's no bad apples. There's no, like, you know, simmering tensions. There's no William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no William Shatner. I think people have had experiences with him gone out into the world, had an experience with him, and then come back to the set and be like, oh my God, I'm so happy to be back with you guys, you know? <laughs> the only uh, bad Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really great, great group of people. Um, and a really personally diverse group of people, you know? Like, I feel like everybody is bringing different levels of nerddom to it and different <laughs> levels of, like just like uh, awareness or or just like a different approach you know like anthony is just like a massive massive dork like he's just <laughs> such a nerd he he like he's the kind of person who's like you know you'll be like i started playing this new game and he's like i would like to play that with you immediately you know he has no he doesn't care he's like so in and then you have someone like doug who is kind of this like sci-fi legend you know like he's been around forever um and then you have Sonequa who is sort of like new sci-fi from uh from Walking Dead and and now on this and it's just it's just a really really great group of people kind of bringing all their different nerdiness to the table that melds and balances uh I just think it's great and and they're awesome speaking of nerdiness I have to bring it up D and D, oh you have an amazing D and D group. <laughs> oh boy! And this is yes. great for me because I also just joined a D and D group during this whole lockdown pandemic live, where we okay. only met virtually, and uh, I just love it. What? Book what? D &D who's your character? Tell me about your character. Tell me about oh, who you're yeah. playing. What class? What? What race? <laughs> okay, so I'm a rogue class. See, I'm gonna forget all the technicals. I'm very much a beginner, but I'm a rogue class. Dragonborn. Oh yeah, there we go. Tarek. And very nice. He may or may not be very strongly based on Garrick. And <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god! Oh my god! I don't know what I expected. Of course, it's going to be based on Garrick, my love. Garrick yeah. is such a good character. I love that character so much. If I could be any Star Trek, like as an actor, if I could play, if I could like wipe everyone's memory clean and step in and play anyone, it would absolutely be Garrick. I love that character so much. So I approve your your casting choice of your D and D uh, your D and D character. Yep, he's a legend. Um, to you and how you know that group started yeah so i've been playing i'm actually like pretty new like three-ish years four-ish years but you know i've had a lot of time to be depressed and D, D is the perfect thing to do when you're depressed so it really has filled in a gap so i've committed to it uh probably an unhealthy amount and put a lot a lot of energy into it um 
but I love it so much. And uh, I had seen on Twitter that Anthony posted, oh, like I, I played a D&D game. It was so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And I have been thinking about starting up a D&D group up in Toronto with the cast basically for a year. And I wanted to do it last year. I was thinking about doing last year. I got to play uh, in Baltimore. So I had to leave Toronto. So I kind of put it on hold. But coming up this year, I was like, you know, it's kind of the perfect pandemic thing to do because the cast would have these group get togethers that were so fun, big parties, and they would all play mafia and it would get really intense and very scary because <laughs> everyone was so good at it and way too invested. Emily Coots is like a literal monster. Uh, <laughs> disgusting. Um, and, and, and we couldn't do that this year. You know, nobody could do that because of COVID, which is such a bummer. And we also have, you know, uh, Blue and Ian on the show and they're both of them are still, you know, finding, getting to know everybody and it was such a bummer that they both couldn't really get that experience of being like fully integrated into how great the whole cast is so uh anthony jumped on the idea and then blue had played before and they jumped on the idea and were totally into it and i sent out a really long like here's how to play D. here's how you do your character that was sort of weed out people who were like there's no way i'm doing that uh, and and kind of got this really, really fun group of a mixture of people who have played sometimes or haven't played at all. Um, and it's just been great. And it's been a great, great way while we're all separated to have a place where people can hang out and get to know each other and kind of create new stories that mean something to them and not talk about work, you know? Because sometimes if you're always together and, you know, nobody wants to hop on Zoom and talk about their work day. So I, I just think it's been a really, really fun uh, way to to get to socialize and to get to tell new stories. And I've really enjoyed it because I'm a huge, a huge fucking dork about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I'm a huge Critical Role fan. And Anthony has, like, used his musical theater prowess or or fame to sort of fendangle his way into like getting people from critical role to like notice him and thereby notice me and his rent that has powers. been <laughs> exactly exactly they're they're powerful his rent power his rent powers are extremely powerful um so it's just been just been really really fun to kind of get to interact with this sort of greater D, &D community which i you know, consider myself like a little part of and wave at everybody and be like, woohoo, this is fun. Yay. I completely agree with the like, it's just such a fun outlet to have. And I've been wanting to get into it for so long. And the I opportunity arose, but it, it, it is just like, it's just a better thing to do than just, I think you get tired of just having Zoom calls that are just like, let's, let's still say social, but D&D &D is a way of actually, you know, having an activity to bring us together. So I'm having and a great I time. The when, only... you, when you play, you really feel like the stories you create are like real and p personal, you know, and I feel like that's so much of what is missing in the pandemic and COVID times is like you can sit around and bemoan how shitty everything is, but it's like you can only do that once or twice before like everyone's like, yeah, we know. But when you play, you really feel like the stories that you're making or the adventures you go on are like personal and real. And you can kind of carry that into into your day to day world in a way that I, I just really love. Yeah, I'm definitely also in it for the improv. I'm there to say <laughs> absurd things. And then they're like, Olivia, you know, you need to roll D20. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> I love the story, guys. I've only played D&D &D once. And um, it was the summer between year 12 and 13, which is uh, junior and senior year. And um, mm. I was quite drunk. Four of the other six players were drunk. And the drunk set of us basically just spent the whole thing pissing off the DM, which uh, was a bad idea because... Uh, we didn't get anywhere. So, Lewis, um, if you are listening, with I'm very sorry. I'm also not sorry because your cat then pissed on me. But well, that's um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I I feel like pissing off the DM is a really subtle art, and you really have to get practiced in that. So, I, I think there's a future for you in D and D. Don't 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 count it. Count yourself out. I won't so write quickly. it off. I won't. 
So we should probably move on to the episode. Yeah, we do. We have to. I mean, if we are, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna crack open a Guinness if we're gonna do that. Smart move. Smart move. Oh Jesus! You actually are. Rip it and rip it, baby. I've waited five episodes to crack a can open on Mike. Listen, I need when I when I saw sex symbol Scott Bakula nude in the shower washing his feet. He decides to wash his feet for some reason. That's like the first thing he does. I was like, yeah, I definitely need to drink for this. Early 2000 CGI water has not aged well. I'm going to say that. Much. It, was, yeah. it was so bad. It's, it's not as bad as Babylon 5. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, it, any episode opening with Archer in the shower, I mean, it's misleading. You think it's going to be the best, the best episode of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and then... It's true. It's weird that they didn't start with Trip in the shower. It would seem like let's let's set him up, but it was just it's because I don't you know everything. I feel like everything that happened in Enterprise was such a reaction to Jerry Ryan and Seven of Nine, where they're like, we have to make everyone everyone just like ooze sex for some reason, and everyone watching it is like. Uh, no, I'm good. Like, I don't need Archer's bare ass falling in the shower. It's really not doing it for me. How is he not concussed? Because he doesn't look like he fell very well. <laughs> I just smacked my head against something. Great question. Great question. This episode is so strange in that for almost, I think for 50% of it, you don't know where it's going. So Absolutely. we go to like, to I was sitting flock. I was sitting next to Mary. I watched the episode with Mary, and she was constantly looking over at me this whole episode, being like, "Why is this so sexy? Like, what? Why is everyone flirting with each other? What is going on?" Like, she kept being like, "I don't understand what they're building to." I can only extend my deepest apologies. (laughs) We're very sorry that we inflicted this on Mary, but um, well. Welcome to Enterprise. Yes, yes. She's gotten a couple of entries. I think it's great. I think it's like, you know what? Let's go in at the deep end. Uh, okay, so so, so you just cut to Phlox be- telling T'Pol to like, eat something. And then he's going to hand feed her a blueberry pancake. He's like, he's like, he's like, hey, try these pancakes. And she's like, no, thank you. And he says, no, try it. And instead of like putting one on her plate or something, he picks it up with his hand. And puts yeah. it to her mouth. Very Neelix of him. That's Very basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was basically that Vulcan harassment that you know, Neelix does to Tuvok. <laughs> but it's also got like no relevance to the plot. I mean, it's got some None. relevance to the plot, but it just feels like a ha ha ha. Look at the aliens enjoying the human food moment, which we've had a lot of in Star Trek at this point. <laughs> yeah, we've had like it's twenty a weird years of it. Of food. Do you feel like they eat a lot in Enterprise? Yeah, well, this whole episode they're eating. Yeah, so then we we discover the replicator problem, which is like, okay, finally there's some sort of remnant of a plot here. There's something going on. Right, when the the replicator, instead of doing sparkling water, just shits into the glass. It's so disgusting. It looks like root beer mixed with condensed milk. (laughs) And then there's... I mean... So we, so they, they have a problem with the ship. They, they have to drop out of warp, and they, they, they decide to sort of solve this problem by igniting a charge. I think the, I don't know what <laughs> drove them to that. I don't know if I missed some sort of like techno babble. It, it seemed like Archer just knew what was happening. He like knew something was back there, and then. Like he knew it so well that he then goes into like a full-on CSI Miami like next frame. Next frame, in enhance. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be honest, it's probably more NCIS considering what Scott Bakula gets up to these days. That's so true. That's so true. But it's it's still dumb. It's like it's not explain. <laughs> it's not like ooh, what if we try this or that? Scott Bakula's like, aha, it's that thing. Yes. <laughs> it's ugh. point. You know, there's a secret visitor. It's nothing too untoward is happening. I mean, that's pretty Star Trek. That's cool. There's like. And then we find out that they're basically using the Enterprise. This, these aliens are using the Enterprise as like intergalactic AA because their <laughs> their warp drive stopped working. I don't know what's going. Yeah, that was very unclear. Like what had stopped? It was like, well, something's not working, and somehow Trip has to go fix it, and then he has to like go in a chamber, and that all happened very fast for me. 
Yeah, but it's I like... I don't understand why they just sent Trip to this random ship for three days. <laughs> and My then... boy. They're all so blasé about it. Yeah, Trip is Trip is in this in this tiny room, straight up getting gassed, being like, "I'm dying! Get me out of here! These aliens are killing me!" And Archer's like, "Uh, just please tough it out." Oh my God, you're being such a wiener, Trip. <laughs> Get a grip, mate. His attitude this entire episode is it just he's still mad that he fell in the shower? <laughs> yeah, the whole gassing bit is so weird because they gas him and then they make him do like. A perception test that is supposed to be like, ooh, they're trying to figure out how smart he is or something, but it just feels yeah. like something from, like, I was going to say Starship Troopers or the Total Recall film is like meant to be yeah. futuristic, but just kind of comes across as dumb. They really look like those lights you would like sort of like bop in like some kind of Chuck E. Cheese arcade game, you know? I have just never been like to a Chuck E. Cheese, but I'd somehow I still know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Weird that, like, there wasn't any sort of brief about, like, you're going to get, like, gas. It's just, like, the only advice he's given is mind your manners. There's just no, <laughs> no thought about this. It's fine. Just, you know, figure it out uh, when you're there. I suspect so what's going on with this atmosphere? Is That's this... a great question. And also, why, why... I also don't really understand, like, he goes in and gets gassed, and then, like, isn't okay and won't go to sleep. I yeah, think he's that's fixing the ionic matrix. Ion matrix? And... Yeah, he's trying to fix it, and he's not having a swell time, and he calls Archer, and it's like, I'm not having a swell time here, Captain, and Archer's like, go to bed. Right. So going the, to the, Archer's the, just lack of care this entire episode. Right. Does the walk around the ship with the eels and everything happen after that? That's no, it's before that. That's a dumb scene, isn't it? <laughs> the eels is like the first thing we see of this new ship. Gotcha. It's just, why? Gotcha. And it but, doesn't um, make sense, does it? So now we're at the place where they're flirting in the bedroom, essentially. So we see because you know we have this yeah. idea of like, okay, so there's this female presenting alien in the jumpsuit. We know that heathenry is afoot. Ian is yeah. about to be warning. Mary, and you know where it's going to be horny? It's going to be horny at an airport lounge from the 1980s. <laughs> and Mary, 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 like, with that whole time was like, man, that alien, for some weird alien, has an incredible butt. Like, it's it's just <laughs> on display in such an insane way that you're just like, there's no way this, they're on a bed. We've seen her sort of, like, weirdly, lively walking around in this jumpsuit. And it's like, all right, well, this is going to get weird extremely fast. And that's exactly what happened. Like, you know, you were saying she 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 looks kind of weird, like for Trip to be attracted to this alien. Like it's the beginning of like their voyages. And Trip's yeah. first crush is like this lizard <laughs> woman. This is the, the moments where they're like, you know, she's feeding him and they're looking to each other's eyes and it's like very sensual. And it's like you, you get Trip and he's like this handsome guy and it looks back and it's like this weird lizard person with this mud brown skin and these like just sort of like alien eyes that are just like wide staring unmoving pupils it's like man like ah that's you're 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 really game trip you know good for you you are really really game it's really not improved by the fact that he then gets turned on by her electric thing <laughs> like what what I what? That was them going very heavy on the. There's a spark between them. Like it's oh, very heavy-handed. I also oh, remember yeah. that. I always thought that was where that she impregnated him. I didn't remember the part where they stick their hands in the pebbles. I always thought that was the part where they were doing it because they were on the bed. You know, why do they even need to go to the boat and do the pebble thing? I was yeah, like, that... I, I'm convinced that that was them doing it right there because he's like. Ooh, feels good, and it's like, uh, all right, I, I think I get it, you know. Yeah, but then if we, if they had been that, we wouldn't have got to see the world's most dated-looking piece of CGI because <laughs> they go to this holodeck, which um looks dumb, and then they go onto the program, and it's just doesn't hasn't aged well at all. <laughs> the 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 holodeck room really looks like they went to like they like picked up a bunch of. Uh, wrapping paper on sale from like uh, Costco or CVS and just pasted it over the walls and like taped it together and we're like look it's a, it's a sparkly holodeck woohoo I really wouldn't put it past them this is Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, as soon as I see this like iridescent room, we know that there's a problem. But then it's exciting because it's a hollow deck and we're Trekkies yes. and we're like, yay, it's the beginning. There but then is. we're distracted by the fact it looks embarrassingly old. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and... for like at the time like at the time i mean was it 2000s it was like, yeah, yeah it's like it's kind of embarrassing that like the models of like the uss enterprise d which were made in 1986 look better on television than significantly that. better significantly better yeah I, they did some pull away shots in this episode where they showed like the enterprise and it just yeah, it just like looked kind of out of focus almost. Uncanny Valley. Yes, yes. It's like Uncanny Valley, but for starships. Um, then they're so they're sitting in this boat, and then one of my favorite parts is when, when uh, Trip reveal it's revealed that Trip's favorite food is catfish, which is no one's favorite food, and is such a weird choice. So, Trips from the really south. What do people in the south like? I, I mean, look, like, I, it's not, it's, it, what, what doesn't make any sense? It's, it's not even like fried catfish or like, you know, it, it's no preparation. It's just the food catfish. It doesn't make any sense. It's like if your, if your favorite food was like chicken. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's before this or after this, but it definitely is fried catfish that he's had. That's awesome. I think that's season two. It's off. Okay, yeah, okay. so I'm only on right. season <laughs> that bit of trip trivia early on. We love it. Exciting. Um, yeah, and we were talking about, you know, how they're having this romantic boat ride in the holodeck, and she says, I didn't, you know, you don't have any dermal plating. How am I supposed to understand your, your actions or interpret you? Stop lying. <laughs> she absolutely has a very good idea of what's going on. It's, it's so like clear. They're trying to do a nice piece of like, ooh, subtextual world building by aliens, and it just comes. This doesn't work. Yeah, it's like you're you're clearly like communicating with each other. It, she's never asking questions. The only question she asks is like, what his stubble is. She's not like, how do you feel? Like, what are you thinking? She like is clearly able to communicate with this person. You know. She's very focused on the physical, I guess. Which maybe we should have. <laughs> she's like. Ah, she's staring at him the whole time. She's only commenting on his appearance, but um, that's a good point. They, she's and a then they put their hands in the gel. Oh, yeah, and I quote: "This is a game we play." No, <laughs> that's it's, the sort. That's the sort of language that, like, I don't want. Actually, no, I'm not saying when I think that language. Yeah, no, like. it, it, it is this thing where it's like it is. It does feel so creepy, and it's a I bit feel like, I don't know how. Like it, we, if you rewatch it with any sort of critical thought, it's truly like a horrifyingly disgusting thing. Where she's like, "Come on, we're just gonna like have a little game," and it's like it's so gross, you know? Did Trip get date raped? It, 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 it's it's non-consensual, and she it's, it's deceptive, but it's Absolutely. also like, what 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 was the thinking there? Like, can we blame the Universal Translator? What's going on? Like. I just was this really her plan because it doesn't make a, sense. I had a sex ed teacher who once told me that when he was at university, um, he knew people who believed that you couldn't get pregnant if you had sex standing up. So maybe it's like that, <laughs> like that level right. of dumb. She she maybe doesn't believe she can have sex with him with her sex machine, uh, and get him pregnant through the pregnancy machine that she literally tries to get him to use. She's like, well. You know, it's just a game. Our 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 sex pebbles. Please come and like, join me in the sex know? pebble place. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just even more cursed because he he asks like, "Are there any rules?" Like, there's kind of opportunity to explain more, oh. but she just says, "Oh, it takes four hands to work." Oh <laughs> God! Oh, oh, I, I do this to us. And like on my first watch, I was like not bothered. I was like, "Oh, this is weird. Maybe it's just like a sort of Vulcan mind meld sort of thing right, going on." Right, right. Um, they have no, this, it like, wasn't. It was. It's sex. more emotional. It's like <laughs> they know about each other, but yeah. yeah I mean, at least it's not like it. at least he didn't do an orgasm face like in the game when they all Gosh. get the pleasure from those that. I'm thing. sure. I'm sure there was a take where that happened. I'm sure there is a take where that happened. Berman, Berman. 
so yeah so in the granules it's like you find me attractive and like it's it's very upsetting that after this whole ordeal trip still so blissfully unaware and like the poor <laughs> guy says like he's i think he's talking to malcolm he's like yeah that whole experience reminded me why i signed on to starfleet oh god <laughs> oh fucking love so him god that like, is so funny my sympathy for him is just i really think like they set this guy up to fail the entire episode um <laughs> is this when we get to he he goes to like flocks like i have a strange lump and flocks is immediately uh-huh. like ah it's a nipple like flocks is just <laughs> flocks just spot a nipple from half a mile away <laughs> king flocks he has like 50 degrees or something of course it's like, it's like he's come... a very underrated character. Well, I don't know if he's underrated, I but I just Flux. love him a lot. Everyone loves Flux. It's like, love you go Flux. to Flux, you're like, Dr. Flux, I have a lump on my foot. And he goes, it's a nipple. And you're like, what? It's like, it's a nipple. You owe me 500 bucks. It's a nipple. Get into this really tight blue body suit. You know you want to. <laughs> so we have this revelation. You're pregnant. And this is the beginning of like, the, in- the reactions to his pregnancy aren't great what would happen now considering what happened to him i mean the Um, whole discourse about ooh, a man is pregnant in this episode is basically about as advanced as turnabout intruder doing ooh, a woman in a man's body and a man in a woman's body it's it's not actually advanced it's just not very clever what's also crazy is like they do this whole elevator bit where he's like freaking out about the elevators like somebody's gonna like lose their fingers and you're watching it you're like Wait, that is crazy. Somebody is going to lose their fingers. That's like truly the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. It's not a great elevator. He's making good <laughs> points. This is, this is when it's supposed to be him like having like an emotional hormone. Being hormone. Going this on. is, this is after like... That's a very good point. Is this after all of T'Pol's sass? Oh yeah. We should address it's... T'Pol being very rude the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> She's not being Vulcan. She's actively attacking him. Um, I, is, she, is she jealous at this point? I think that's the real question. Is she jealous <laughs> early on? Yeah, because I only find out like that they start, they get together later on. So when I initially watched this, I didn't think about that. But this time round, I was like, she's so jealous. What's going on? <laughs> or, but the way she handles it is terrible because to Paul, it wasn't his fault. Right. Everybody, uh, everybody is really convinced that he went onto that alien ship and just like had a full-on orgy. He and pulled now William like, Yeah, and they're like, you need to pay the consequences. And he's like, I didn't do that. The best part of this is that it's quite clear that Scott Bakula is trying not to laugh for the entire season. Yeah. He's trying yeah. so hard not to laugh. And I'm not quite sure whether that was Archer <laughs> trying not to laugh or that Scott Bakula just couldn't do that scene without laughing. There are yeah, a couple of shots. Yeah. yeah, there's like there's a couple of shots where it's clear they're doing like an over the shoulder, and you can see Scott Bakula just like covering his face or covering his mouth or like turning away from the camera. But that implies that's the best shot. <laughs> that implies that's the best they got. Well, they wanted to make sure that we were also laughing. I feel like that's like yeah, yeah. we're allowed to laugh. It's funny, but um. Well, I was just gonna say there's also that dinner scene where it's. It's supposed to be like, oh, he's like eating so much and they're crazy and he's crazy and he's like jealous or or, or mistrustful, whatever. But really, like the main takeaway from that scene for me and Mary was like, there's a waiter. They have waiters. They literally just like call for another plate of food and there's a waiter who brings it in. This is the closest. These waiters that... are like trained this... scientists. I, think... I don't know. This, this is early the... on. This is like the closest that Star Trek ever gets to the thing I talked about last week, which is that. Basically, they wanted to do Hornblower in space. And this is the closest it gets to that, where it's like, a bloke comes to give the captain food and shit. Yes. Yeah. I vibe with it, sort it's of. It's not very egalitarian. Why are they being no, served? No, it's not. Well, that's, sort of, that, vision. that's naval hierarchy for you. That's true. That's a good point. They really are, they really, really tied themselves to that sort of, like, captain hierarchy. But it's just, it's so bizarre, because it's like, wait. Like, he just, they couldn't, like, go up and get more food? And, and w- do they just have, like, a, a separate kitchen for the captain? Is that what's going on? Well, they you see, I think, I can't remember which episode it is, but you do see a kitchen. The kitchen. But, yeah. um, 
The other thing that I just realized is that the the, she the waiter isn't wearing like a chef's uniform. He's wearing a tactical no, uniform. Full uniform. <laughs> so like, is this guy a security officer or an engineer or something? It's like, during the day he's in a torpedo room, but after 6 p.m. he's a major D. What is going on? Like, does everyone get dinner duty? Because this is what I'm saying. They don't have, like, this is early on in space exploration. They don't have time to waste letting anyone up there. So this poor guy's probably on the road to, like, I'm serving the captain this week. <laughs> I also love that Scott Bakula at this I can't remember if it's this one or a later one he's just straight up like eating a club sandwich with toothpicks in it it's oh that's like, at the end of this episode yeah <laughs> uh, it's so good this is another bit where he's also corpsing into his, into his food I think yes. the, one of the just the worst parts about this dinner is it's this weird conversation that seems to like pertain to like the idea of having it all like a working mother like i think they literally yes. refer to trip as a working mother and i don't know what, <laughs> what the plan was i don't know what the message was it was just strange it reads i just have deadbeat dad trip as a note here <laughs> why are both the nipples on the same side that's a great question yeah why surely they, they should be on together? each they should be on each that would make well, more sense Mary had a good question too, which is like, why does he need to grow new nipples? He has nipples, you know. Those are some trash human. Because it, it, it's not like <laughs> it, it's not like he's having like a litter. Like they say, it's one embryo. He's not gonna have like. They say one embryo. All right, okay. So like, it's not like he's gonna have like he's got one on each um one on each of his own nipples and then two on the special <laughs> ones. Or like, it, are, are these nipples differently flavored? Oh, God. <laughs> it's one like chocolate milk or something. So much is left. <laughs> oh, we have, well, I guess it's not a surprise, but that was the first interspecies pregnancy, and it was all trauma. Um, <laughs> all right, here's some, just uh, some, a little bit of early trivia. Te not only is this technically not the first time interspecies trivia in the Star Trek timeline, it's also not the first time that Trip has had sex with another species and had a child in Star Trek, technically because of time travel shenanigans. Amazing. Amazing. Technically. I will not spoil the plots of two future Enterprise episodes for your yet, but I will simply I mean, say... You should just be able to... I mean, you can say... Okay, so in the episode E squared, the half, um, stars the half-Vulcan son of an alternative version of him. And in the episode North Star, the Enterprise uncovers an earlier precedent where they witness descendants of humans and Skagarans. Hey, sorry, was that? Did you say Vulcan Trip? What was the first? Half one? Trips, half Vulcan Sun. Oh my gosh, this is great day. <laughs> so technically, within the timeline, this is not the first interspecies human pregnancy. I can't wait to see that. Oh yeah, so obviously this is Trips traumatized. Everyone's freaking out, and then they find the ship. Which is like respite for all of us at this point in the episode. We're like, God, this this can't this can't go on. We have to have some resolution. But the ship is with the Klingons, and I now like to have a small rant, okay? Because the year is twenty one fifty one. So why is there a D seven battle cruiser? Why? This is what I'm here for. Yes. Why? This is what it's all about. What is the deal? This is a ship. That have apparently in service in 2151 that is still pissing about in the Dominion War. Why is it here? Okay, now you've explained that because I had no idea what that meant until you said it's still around in the Dominion okay. War. Okay, that is quite insane. It's like, this ship is 200 years old and it's like a century old when it's like match for match with the with Kirk's Enterprise. What? No, this is wrong. I have strong feelings about Starship ship design and Starship... I'm writing a book about it. Anyway. I don't like this. It kind of sounds like you're writing a manifesto, but totally. I, I, it's, um, I have strong feelings. Just, um, anyone who follows me on Twitter will be aware of my strong feelings about Starship. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's... smells like, here we go. What is even more frustrating is that Jonathan Eve designed a 22nd century D7 battlecruiser. And the producers said no. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's really Hi. funny. I something to do with like, oh, we don't need more production design, even though they had built a 3D model for it. Amazing. Dumb. It's dumb. So money, basically. 
exactly. Money, and I think also they were like, ooh, the D7 is recognisable. But, like, if you can recognise the D7, you'll recognise that this is just a, another kind of ship like that. It's stupid. It's stupid. I'm up. Anyway, the episode. <laughs> the Klingons immediately fire, because of course they do. And, you know, Archer goes about it this very... I mean, it's in, it's weird because we have, like, the hindsight, I guess, of knowing how the Klingons operate. So when we see Archer trying to reason with them by saying, he's a, they're a kind species. We're like, no, you're really barking up the wrong tree. We need another approach. Um, and obviously T'Pol steps in and says this, what is it? That Clang saw him as a brother and you owe him, which is a much better technique. Yeah, she pulls the whole, remember the first episode of the season? It's like it's like on TVTropes.com. It's like as you know. I mean, it's nice to you sort of remind you that there are other episodes of this show. But it's it's. I'm, I feel so bad for poor Trip. Oh, I, this whole entire episode, I'm just so. But he's because he's standing on the bridge in his maternity clothing, which looks like he's like a uh, a frat uh, boy. Like a, yeah, he, he looks like he's from he's a 2001 frat boy in these big oversized button-up silk shirt. It's so good. And then he just lifts it as a big, like, slightly green lump. No. And then all the Klingons laugh at him. Like, you don't see the Klingon bridge, you just hear them laughing at him while, like, Malcolm clambers over the console to look at him. Everybody's yeah. looking... Everybody's laughing at him. Like, it's like, what, how do you even know what that is? It doesn't look that, like, protruding. But it's Archer's fault again. Because he's like, <laughs> he could have, like, cleared the bridge quickly. Like, he could have been like, everyone just get off for a few seconds while I tell you the real reason that he needs to be right. on the ship. Yeah. Also, why would that get the Klingons to trust him? Yeah, why would they even care? <laughs> they were laughing. Why did it work? But yeah, if it, if I was Trip, I would have quit Starfleet in that moment. I'm <laughs> Yeah, and she's so calm when they're reunited. Right, she's just like, oh, it worked, woohoo. Wait, this is uh, the bit okay. when the Klingons go on the holodeck and the Klingon captain literally goes, I can see my house from here. One of the great Star Trek lines of all time, I can see my house from here. Just ran, <laughs> so good. So, like, out of context. It's really just a truly fantastic line. I really hope that was improvised. I really hope the Klingon, like the actress went, I can see my house from here, and they left it in. I love that. Because it's just like, so like, dumb. It's just un-Klingon. It just doesn't feel right at the moment. But it's also what you would say. It's true, it's like true. I Star Trek and get away from that. It's such a stupid little thing, but yeah. Like if I was in deep space, and then somebody took me into a room, and then suddenly I was standing on Stratton Common, I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do that. It does feel like if you're like the first time you use Google Maps and you went to your house and you're like pointing at it, it's the same. It's the same thing, basically. The exact same energy. Yeah, I get the joy. Even Klingons, you know, show a little bit of emotion. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, so we we get the happy announcement. It's a girl. Yay! Oh bless. Oh god. And uh, this is like part of the problem with the episode. She's like, I didn't know that this would work. There's no real, like, answer <laughs> then to why. Then why did you try? Yeah. yeah. And she's so calm. He's even very calm as well. Uh. I, it, it feels like they... It, it feels like... Like, if you were watching it at that point, it feels like they had decided together to try and try. You know what I mean? It feels like they had a huge... They had this amazing connection and that she was like, let's have sex. And he was like, absolutely. And then she's like, oh my God, I accidentally got you pregnant. Which is not what happens at all. No, it's, it's like there is no consent here. There's obviously in that Zerillion cult, they don't have the whole if you make someone a cup of tea and they're asleep or they don't know it's tea, don't give them the tea. They don't have that. <laughs> like, and he's like so enamored by her that he, or brainwashed by her, that he doesn't even seem to care. You know, he's not no, he angry doesn't. at all. And he's angry the rest of the episode to everyone back on the Enterprise. I mean, rightfully so. But it, it's so bizarre. I honestly thought there was, like, a deeper plot here. Like, these aliens leached off of um, other spaceships to get their attention. Right. Then impregnated their people because they couldn't do it. And that's why they were jumping from, like, the Enterprise as a Klingon. So they just jumped from ship right. to ship to do this to get hosts. And like that was no, how they reproduced. 
It's that just been... because this alien wants to fuck. That's literally it. And they could have even had it be like the aliens don't know they're doing anything wrong or something. Right. Yeah, because even that element isn't explored. It's just, oh, it happened. <laughs> it's, this episode is Whoops. like not just bad on a, you can't, this is not how you do feminism, guys. It's just bad on a, this is not how you teach consent, guys. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the final scene again at the dining table, I believe. Yes, this is this is where he's eating that incredible club sandwich with the toothpick in it. I love that there are toothpicks on the Enterprise. Why not? I mean, so yeah, so, so the announcement is like, and it's still to Paul going off on him, like, oh, you're the first pregnant male. And it's just like... <laughs> I did go and address that like Trip needs therapy after this. <laughs> I did pause and think, hang on, is that true? And a lot of very dumb Daily Mail and Daily Mirror articles came to my head. So I went and Googled it. And um, I suppose DePaul is technically right in the sense that um, basically there would be very, I don't know, it feels like saying, I feel like her saying you are the only man to ever be pregnant feels like something. I don't know. It felt it's like something. Not. It felt like something that was true in the two thousands, but like, yeah, <laughs> probably isn't now. Not because just because of resist like either historical research or better understanding of situations, but apparently, like um, how well, in... it's it's definitely not a nuanced idea. You know, it's just like you man first pregnant. End of story. She does say Starfleet records, which um, once again, it, the um, cataclysmic <laughs> third world war is doing a lot of work for covering up the, the ills of right. humanity in the 21st century. Yes, good yeah. point. Good but it's point. like that Voyager episode where they say, um, I think it's Harry Kim and it's like, what's marriage? And it's like, oh, it's usually between a man and a woman. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I, oh. It's it's yeah it's I and mean, it stands out so much. It's just like a bit of a downer in the episode. It's just like ugh. I mean, some Star Trek's like that, and you know, it has its own excuses. I think um, Margot, who was on last week, made the point that one of the points that reasons James C. Kirk might be a bit screwed up when it comes to these things is he did grow up in like the twenty third century equivalent of Pol Pot's Cambodia. <laughs> like you know, at age twelve, half the people he knew were like were murdered by Governor Kodos. So you know. He's probably a bit fucked up. But I'm not sure that Topol or Trip or any of these guys have an excuse for being dumb. Or Harry Kim, actually. That's but... a good point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was uh, unexpected. Um, so, Brandon Braga said of this episode that um, it was that the it's depiction of Tucker was effective. It helped set Enterprise apart from other Star Trek series. He believed that what I was agree with that. Yeah, he believed that what was especially refreshing was the way in which the character is at first very eager to go on board the Zerillion ship, but soon becomes desperate to leave the vessel due to how strange he finds it. That's the kind of stuff you would never see a Riker do, because they're just too seasoned, remarked Braga. And Connor Trenier just brought more to trip than we could have imagined. He does, you know, you gotta give him credit. He does a fantastic job in this episode. He's acting the crap out of it. He's totally invested. He is like fully on board for this. So uh, credit where credit is due. Yeah, he's taking it seriously than everyone else in that set. I'll say that much. It's a good performance by him. But initially, he wasn't that excited to go on the ship. It was more after, because he says like, do I have to go there for three days? Right, And right. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's what you got to do. But Shut up and get in the gas tank. He goes on it. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty apprehensive at the beginning, but, you know, changes after. There's that, there's that period of blissful ignorance, essentially, where he's like, <laughs> oh, that was great. The, official, the unofficial reference book Beyond the Final Frontier says of this episode, a male pregnancy story sounds terrible, but this pulls it off with a blend of humour, genuine humanity and freakiness. An early sign that Connor Trenier is going to be a useful member of the cast. This is a good episode. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't know if... If you guys do ratings on this episode on episodes or something like that, but this is definitely a ten out of ten episode. It's peak weird Star Trek. I absolutely love it. I came back. I I was I was concerned coming back to it after I don't know fifteen years away or whatever. And uh, yeah, it absolutely is amazing, and I love it so much. Uh, well, um, the Star Trek magazine does not agree with you. It rates it one out of five <laughs> and names it the worst installment of Enterprise's first season. 
Amazing. No, it's it. not the worst. Shuttlepod one exists. <laughs> yeah. But um Trinir believed this episode helped make his portrayal of Tucker me- memorable for the Enterprise writing staff, make it easier to write his character into subsequent stories. I, I kind of agree with that, actually, though. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, it did kind of clear up. It gave you a clearer picture of like who the guy was and how he would respond to certain situations in a way that is unique, um, which I, I, I thought that was good. I liked that part of it, definitely. It's a good character episode for for for, for Tucker. I mean, it's Topoldus comes across like an ass, and Archer isn't much better. Yes, Archer is just a nightmare this episode. And I I remember like sort of just because I'm still early in this Enterprise journey, I I still didn't understand who Archer was, and I'm still sort of confused as to sort of like general. <laughs> I think like the only way to understand who Archer was is that he is Scott Bakula. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> The thing is, is that I think this being in the first season, it sort of betrays that, you know, they've been writing Star Trek from 1985-86 till this point. So this is what, 2000, 2001? So this is like nearly... 14, 15 years of writing Star Trek. They're running out of ideas. Yes. They're running out of good ideas and they're tired. Yeah. And they're trying to do something really quite different here to, you know, establish Trek, which is existing or established universes. So they're dealing with a double deep problem of writing a prequel and the fact that they just don't have any good, really have any good ideas. Right. Well, it's like how many how many times can you like use an alien species to like explore the human condition before you like, I think we kind of have done it. You know, I think we did it. Yeah. There's, there's only so many, let that be your last battlefield you can write before people tell you to stop. <laughs> it's not, you know, cause it's weird. Cause if there was something else, a deeper plot with the character study of Tucker, it'd be a good episode. I think it'd be dumb. But it would be like a lot of Troy is dumb, where it's horrific and dumb, but it's got some interesting points to make and makes you think a bit about things. Not good things, but things. This definitely is not making you think at all, other than like how goofy and and campy it is. It's very surface level, but I don't hate it. I mean, there's like some episodes on here where I'm like, I can't believe you did this to me. I'm I'm talking about. This is why I wanted to watch the finale because that is an episode where you're like, oh boy, oh my god. This is definitely has has many redeeming, albeit insane and silly qualities, but some definitely redeeming uh, moments to it. Yeah, it's not as well. Give me like a few months. <laughs> I'm just still angry about Battle Cruiser. That's just, but that's me. Oh, I'm just okay. very, very angry about Klingon design. Can't I'm be so scared for how Enterprise is going to play out. <laughs> every episode, it's like alluded to like something. So, okay. It is like every time you say you're watching an episode, somebody on Twitter goes, "Oh God, be ready yeah. for this." And it's like yeah. it's like they're telling me like it never reaches its full potential, and I've like had to I have to accept that from like episode and one. It's like <laughs> I guess it's a bit it's a bit like watching Game of Thrones now. In the knowledge of how bad season 8 was. Which is something I've never experienced, because I managed to get through the 2010s having never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. And now I never will have to. Good for you. you, Oh yeah, the the letdown was so, so immense that I I can never forgive them. Just a question (laughs) for like... I've never seen season 8. There's something for everyone listening and for you to think about, which is, two years ago, everyone was talking, everybody understood and talked about Game of Thrones and just no one has talked about it since. It's just gone. I love I had a friend who he discovered Game of Thrones not discovered, but he like started watching right he like basically watched all the seven seasons so it coincided with the beginning of season eight. And I was like, dude, you are going to have a major letdown. This is going to be a disaster. Because I I think people it's it's an interesting thing about like television and creatives and money and everything, because it it, it feels to me like that was the inevitable outcome of this stuff. You know, you put too much faith in people who are 
line producers or television producers who aren't sitting down and writing a book, it's going to blow up in your face every time. I, I, I can't. I can't even give that to them. Because Especially it, if you have too much money. Wrong. If you have a lot of money and a lot of pressure, things tend to go wrong. Like, it's going to go bad. Yeah. I mean, that's not even the worst of it. It's just entire plot lines were ignored, but let me not get into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I have never watched an episode of Game of Thrones. I have learned everything through osmosis, which is the best way to learn everyone to watch from season one to season seven and then just stop and, and know in your heart that you that's the best You've for you. <laughs> I, I watched the Sean Bean dies, but I couldn't, like, the second, I got, like, the second episode in, I was like, I, I'm not really getting it. I'm just upset that I went on the journey and I <laughs> was, I don't know, misled. But um, no, it's still a really good show. But um... Hopefully it'll have a softer landing with Enterprise. Hopefully it won't be as as uh, as painful at the end. Yeah, then again, season four of Enterprise, apart from the last episode, is quite good. That's true. It's this last, the last season isn't bad, Olivia. It just doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm know, well, I already like know things. Because when I went to my first Star Trek convention, someone gave me a badge that says Trip Lives. Which is like around, around this time. I was like, hey, I have that badge still. And I went to find it and I was like, what happens to my boy? <laughs> So like somehow like this, yeah. A year before I knew. I mean, I've done worse. I um, I I ended up watching the last two minutes, three minutes of um the the Shira reboot before I ever watched any of the series. Which um. No, sorry, Claxon. John has mentioned Shira on the pod. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, that 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 was fine. I got away with um that because I just I don't know erased it from my mind. I can't remember. But uh, knowing that what happens to Trip happens to Trip before you do Enterprise is just bad. I just, I'm actually so fine with it because I've, I just don't care because it's not, in my mind, it's not happening. He's alive. He's well. It's not canon. And that's how Enterprise I'm is just a very horny, very bad hollow novel of the adventures of the NX-01 <laughs> that William Riker puts on sometimes when he's lonely. I mean, that's not, not untrue. Not untrue. See how that goes. So, back and I'll be like, I'm sorry. So, what are we saying? Are we going to quit? I'm not. I'm not quitting. I'm. I'm fully invested in Enterprise after watching this episode. I'm all in. Uh, I'm not quitting. Give me more. Give me more uh, alien babies, please. <laughs> Jesus, I'm angry about battle cruises. Still, I knew it. I knew it. I'm still upset about this. Because it's a very detailed model of a battle cruiser from the 23rd century. And I think I will be quitting just over that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I appreciate this because I think that's the type of balance we need on this pod. You (laughs) something like that. And I'll quit because, you know, Voyager put a clown in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm not going to quit. This is my second week of not quitting. Yeah, did you quit last week? Wow. Um, you know, people who've got to binge this in like half a year are going to be very confused and I can't remember. But um, I have a real life, I think, last time I checked. So I couldn't, I can't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, it was unprecedented. I didn't quit. But um, yeah, I'm not quitting this episode. My God. Uh, I, I, forget- I condemn the part of it where there's like the non consensual relations. I condemn that. But um. As an episode, I'm not quitting because I just... Something about it that's just not quittable. It's just like a bad episode and I accept that. But, uh, that was a bit mixed. You're aware of the rule though, Olivia. The rule? If you don't quit next week, the week after that we have to do a good episode. I mean, I'm it. fine with doing a good episode. I feel like people... <laughs> people don't know like what type of episodes to bring on here, but like we can do anything. I mean, I might... Yeah, good episodes, bring them on. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, we did... Somebody wanted to encounter at Farpoint, which I love, Encounter at Farpoint. Mm. Apparently, people don't yeah. like Encounter at Farpoint. I adore it. I remember, I remember I rewatched it a while ago, and I thought, this is terrible. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's dumb, but it does have some really good lines, and um, John Delancey is I, vibing. 
Yes, I mean John Delancey's always vibing. I do think, uh, like with in, with those episodes, those early ones, so much of it is like, oh, I know these characters so much better now, and they're acting in insane ways that ten years from now they're never going to do. You know, like it's um it's the original series, but just taking itself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. actually a good description of a few TNG. Well, TNG maybe in general, but um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I have to say, I'm so glad. Because I we haven't mentioned it yet. I love Andorians. I yeah. don't know why. I just think they're the best. I think they're just like the epitome of what I think of, like a, an alien race. They have the antennae. Yeah. They're the blue. blue. Well, well, Rin doesn't, but... Um, yeah. Well, no, 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 they grow back. I heard they, they do grow, grow back. back. Technically, I'm... they do grow back. So, we will see. You know we will what? see. And even if they don't, we pretend not to notice. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it's also important so to I... clarify that this we're recording this on a Wednesday and yeah. the episode yeah. comes out tomorrow and it doesn't come out in right. the UK till Friday and we release usually on a Sunday. So um, we might have to, me and Olivia might have to come back and record a, a loud <laughs> screaming Just of excitement. An no, I'll just write a poem and ode to Rin. I, I, I have um, an STO group. We're, well, we we all together. We have an STO group that's called um, Reign of the Blue Bros, which was in Love honor it. of Fapev. I don't know if you know the game, but there's an Andorian called Fapev. Um, and yeah, so the Andorian Appreciation Society, which is essentially what we are, you know, love Rin. So we're excited to see if anything happens. Yeah, we, we, we all love Andorians. It's um. Well, I, I feel very honored to be accepted by uh, the Blue Bros, even though it that feels like something that is like from a deep corner of the internet that I should never go to. <laughs> don't put the Blue Bros into Reddit. Just don't put it into Reddit. <laughs> um, and I, I'm excited. You know, I haven't seen uh, the next episode either, so I'm I'm excited to uh, to see what happens too. All right. So um, that's it for this week. Um, so no, if people want to come and find you on the internet. Where would you like them to find you at? <laughs> yeah, follow me at my Twitter, N underscore A underscore K. It's my initials. Uh, that's pretty much it. Come say hi. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to meet all and every Star Trek fan because I am one of you. Excellent. And if you have um, complaints about... Uh, and, or complaints or love of Andorians, please do talk to Olivia at um, Olivia. complain about Andorians J. to me. I don't know. It's going to be a fight. <laughs> it will be. Yeah. But if you have complaints about Klingon battle cruisers in the wrong place, please do come and talk to me because yeah. I, I will have Absolutely. opinions. <laughs> that is the accuracy of this dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's it for this week. Um, I've been John. I've been Olivia. And I'm Noah. And we'll see you all next time.